But now I'd just like to introduce our panelists here. So if y'all would like to like wave hi or anything so we know who you are. Uh, first up, we have Cassandra Bowsman. She uses she, her, hers pronouns and she's a lecturer at the University of Iowa's Department of Rhetoric. Next up, we have Jody Salazar. Sorry, Salazar. She uses she, her, hers pronouns and she's a graduate student in the School of History and Philosophy at SIU. Next up, we have Alicia Utech. She, her, hers pronouns, also a graduate student, this time in the School of Communication Studies at SIU. And last but certainly not least, we have Justin Young, he, him, his pronouns, and he is an assistant lecturer in the School of Communication Studies at SIU. And with that, I will now turn it over to our presenters. All right, well, <laughs> I guess I'll go first. Um, so, I am not a woman, um, as noted by my pronouns and, um, you know, hopefully my appearance, I'm, I register distinctly male, um, but um, I do teach video games here at the university and um, I did put together this panel and I really wanted to have a chance for the women on this panel to kind of express their experiences with video games and also for all of you to jump in and offer your own personal experiences and everything. Um, so bef before I turn it over to them, I was going to get started and just highlight kind of why this panel, why I thought this was a worthwhile um, idea of something to do and to talk about. Um, and just a few things about um, stories of abuse and everything directed towards women in the video game industry just in the very recent months, just in the last six months. So um, March 10th, so just last week, uh, eight women came forward with allegations of sexism in the workplace at Sony, joining in an effort for a class action lawsuit against uh, the PlayStation maker. Uh, last fall, after allegations of sexism and sexual abuse at Activision Blizzard, the CEO, Bobby Kodak, was accused of threatening to kill his female assistant. Um, and in early 2022, back in January, um, they sold the company to Microsoft because it so damaged their stock after all these allegations or then came forward. Um, also, in the last month, uh, Twitch, uh, the, the number one streaming platform for games online, announced that uh, they will be taking legal action against uh, trolls online who had been targeting uh, LGBTQ streamers, but specifically trans women streamers, um, basically a very coordinated effort to harass them and get them to leave uh, the platform. So they're actually going to sue uh, those people who have been doing the harassment. Um, the streamer, and this is just one example, but the streamer known as Grenade Queen posted a video in the last month on Twitter, uh, which showed her playing Halo and the guys that she was playing Halo against, um, yelling at her, telling her she should quit or show her breast, um, that she was not meant to be there, that the game wasn't meant for girls. Um, and Riot Games, the makers of League of Legends, have paid over a hundred million dollars to settle a gender discrimination lawsuit. And let's see if I can get this to show up. Well, I'm having a few technical issues. We'll just try that later. Um, 
But with Alicia, Jody, and Cassandra, I, I wanted them to be able to talk from their own experiences because as a male within the industry who studies and teaches about video games, um, you know, I come with first no personal experience as a woman playing video games and what that's like. Um, and two, I come with probably some stereotypes, right, of the type of games that women are into and everything. Even though knowing women having friends who play video games, I know that a lot of those stereotypes are wrong. Um, you know, if, if we're talking about what game developers can do to be more inclusive towards women, um, you know, I don't want to put my stereotypes, my presumptions onto that. So I really wanted the women to be able to talk about that. So I will uh, turn it over to Alicia first, and they're going to do a, a brief little introduction, kind of talking about their history with playing video games, some of the games that they like and everything, and then we'll move into some more questions. So Alicia. Yeah, thank you so much for that introduction, Justin, and for putting this panel together. It's really cool to be here. Um, like we said, my name is Alicia Gutek she, her, her pronouns. And I've always been kind of a casual gamer. Like my sister and I always played video games together when we were kids. And then as I grew older and my parents started being like, you need to buy these game systems yourself. And I was like, money. <laughs> so I kind of fell off for a while. You know, I would still play games on the systems that I had, but Especially, you know, you move into time periods where, okay, you can't really get Nintendo DS games anymore that easily unless you go to GameStop and even then depends on the one you go to. So I kind of fell off for a while. I'm starting to get back in now. My boyfriend has a Switch that stays at my house. And so I'm able to start like getting Switch games now and getting back into things. But I generally play kind of I, I I think I play pretty chill games I'm not someone who is particularly amazing at gaming I just enjoy it so I'm like if there's an easy mode I'm here for it but you know I'm someone I grew up playing games like Pokemon and Final Fantasy which I realized does not correspond to my easy game <laughs> statement there but things like that the so really kind of the JRPG genre is where I do a lot of my gaming. So with that, I'm gonna pass things forward. Jody is next on my screen, so I will pass things to her. Thank you, Alicia. Um, yeah, my name is Jody Salazar, and uh, much like Alicia, I have been a casual gamer over time. And um, before I go any further, thank you again for um, inviting me to the panel, Justin and um, Sandy and everybody that's involved in that. Um, like Alicia, I have been a pretty casual gamer. Um, we just talked about in the video game class that Justin referenced um, earlier about how people acquire systems. And um, I tend to be somebody that gets hooked on a certain system for a while and a certain style of game and can really you know, let my OCD run wild and, uh, and spend just way too much time in those worlds. Um, my first experience with video games goes all the back, way back to when I was a child and we were pretty poor growing up. And this kind of begins the saga of always having the secondhand games. My uncle was an electronics repairman. So he was always kind of getting, coming up with these at the time, I'm Gen X, 
Um, he was all, always coming, you know, up with, a, hey, we've got a, I've got a VCR, I've got a TV that, you know, I fixed and, you know, it, it's available to buy. So that's how we ended up with um, our first Atari. And so that goes way back. So most of these systems I've played um, kind of on their original ones. I, I've been play, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Atari. Those are the, the main ones. I'm currently hooked on the PS4. And um my brother would get every game. He was kind of the opposite of me when we were kids. He would let me play games like Double Dragon. And so I learned that um, way before there was this um, online gaming world, there was this, you know, my brother and I would team up in Double Dragon and, or, you know, play against each other. You know, it's been so long now, I forget all the mechanics, but I had that experience of playing alongside someone. And um, even though my brother and I got along, didn't get along really most of the time he was pretty open to letting me play these games with him and he was my younger brother so I guess I had a little bit of authority there um, and so we would do a lot of that and I've just stayed into it and um, you know casually off and on ever since so I can talk more to specific experiences later but that's my background thank you Cassandra gamer as well. Um, although I will say when I, I like a game, I really like a game and I, I play it to death and get pretty obsessive. Um, the first games I really played would have been sort of Sega, Super Nintendo. Um, the first console I owned myself was the N64, which probably represented peak, peak gameplay for me, right? Ocarina of Time, I think remains maybe my favorite game of all time um and of course on switch which i have now i'm i'm a big breath of the wild person too so i like adventure games i like rpgs um i like kind of a fantasy escapist style um art style world building really kind of matters to me in my video games um and I guess otherwise for sort of starting off a, a significant sort of milestone in thinking about the intersection of games and gender. Um, when baby Cassie was playing games back in the day, and this I'm pretty sure this was on PC, at least for me, um, Zork Grand Inquisitor um, starts the game with name yourself, right? And I was someone who always just used Link. I never entered a name or made up a name or anything with, you know, who are you? What's your name? Let's go on adventure together. And there's the pause and you're expecting the prompt. Um, and then your guide just says, never mind. I'm going to call you Afghan cop, which is ageless gender or ageless, faceless, gender neutral, culturally ambiguous adventurer person. And it's said in jest, but it was the first time for me that I had really been confronted with um, this idea that I had always been, not just in video games, but all my media really, right? In terms of movies, my favorite movies were all Lucasfilm, you know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, um, Willow, Dark Crystal, um, which I think for most of my life tended to code a little more male, nerdy male as well. I didn't know that, right? I didn't feel that. Um, but with this Afghan cop thing, it, it just, it's it sort of rubbed your face intentionally in the fact that I had always been being expected to identify with, right? And empathize with and sort of have as an avatar um, a white male character, right? Always as just the default. 
Um, and I don't really think I encountered another text that would talk about that, that would challenge like that, would, would stick in my head like that until I was in college, right? And sort of, I really started focusing on, oh, wow, right? Like gender theory is a thing, right? Um, feminist theory says texts matter. So that, that was formative for me in ways that I, I've been thinking about a lot um, in imagining what we might talk about today. Sandra, can I just say that just struck home for me so much. <laughs> I mean, I remember and Justin has heard this story probably like four times now. So I apologize, Justin, you're hearing it again. <laughs> but, you know, when I was a kid, my very first video game was Pokemon Blue version on the Game Boy Color. And I was five years old. So I just named my character Sue. Now, why I picked Sue rather than my own name, I have no idea. <laughs> but, you know, Generation 1 only gave you the default red male character and so like when generation two came along and actually asked like are you a boy or a girl like now it's a meme <laughs> but back in those days it was a really big deal to have that option to be like oh yeah i'm gonna play as the girl character this time yes um like cassandra said i um when i think xbox 360 playing world at war and zombies and all of that was my first real experience and really creating an avatar that other people would see. And I was gonna to get to this later, but it was so relevant to what you were saying. I wanted to follow up on it. I had an avatar that looked like me and I was a 30 year old-ish divorced woman at the time. So she had a cute little skirt and she had my features and I, I she was completely sexualized. Everyone wanted to know, do you look like your avatar? Um, because either they were outing somebody that was not the female gender, or they just immediately wanted to um, resort to sexualizing her. And again, in a game like Call of Duty, it's not completely unexpected, but that was my experience. So, you know, right there with you. Yeah, I wanted to jump in here real quick. I'm going to try to share this again. Let's see if it actually works this time. Um, and there's just a few quick slides I kind of wanted to show that I think exemplify um, kind of the problems within the industry. So this is an ad for the Sega Saturn. Is this showing up okay for everyone? Okay, I'm getting some nods. Um, and so those who are listening, it is a, a nude woman lying on a bed and she has screenshots of Sega Saturn games strategically placed to cover up um, the parts of her body that would get the ad banned. Um, but these sorts of ads were very common, uh, particularly in the 16-bit and 32-bit era um, to market video games. Um, and, you know, of course, it's, it's dehumanizing to the woman, it's a hypersexualization. Uh, there's something kind of weird since a lot of, especially weird about this because a lot of these games were being targeted and sold to, uh, to young kids and that this is the way that they were being marketed. Um, but that continued on into retail stores. So this is a little later with the DS um, and this is an image of a retail display in a GameStop and the display banner says games for girls. And if you look at the games, the games are all your sort of like cooking games, Barbie games, uh, 
was Hannah Montana, uh, your sort of Disney games, all all very stereotypical types of games that you might think of targeting towards girls. And why I love this image is that somebody has taken a copy of Metal Gear Solid and stuck it onto the display. Um, and I just love the idea that somebody was like, no, this is actually a, a game for girls. And then the last image here is from uh, Street Fighter and it's the ending for the character Chun-Li um, where the goal, her storyline in the game is to avenge, uh, I, I believe it's her father. Um, and she says, finally, you can rest in peace. And then the second slide says, and I can get back to being a young single girl. And she's in like a little crop top and little short shorts. Um, and so the reason I think these are um, worthwhile and I like to like share those images is that this was something very much endemic in the game industry and in how they marketed games, um, how they sold them at a local level in retail establishments and even the games themselves. So like women growing up, uh, particularly women of uh, Jody and Cassandra and my age group, um, this is what we were encountering on it on a daily basis. And even as a 12 year old boy looking at the advertising, I was like, this is really weird because I'm not seeing this sort of sexualization in, you know, the He-Man or Ninja Turtles that are being so to me, even though they have their own issues. Um, but video games, it was, it was hyper-sexualized. So I wanted to ask the panelists, and since we've done our introductions and everything now, if anybody has questions, feel free to use the, um, the little reaction uh, feature or to post a question into the chat, and we'll try to get to your questions. Um, but I wanted to ask the panel, you know, has there been a time, and some of you have kind of already touched on this a little, that you have felt particularly unwelcome um, when it came to playing games, either because of the game itself or because of the people uh, surrounding those games who were playing them? Yeah, I can speak to that. I've already spoken to it a little bit, but um, also during that same period of Xbox Live, I, again, that's one of really my first um, interactive, like everyone playing at the same time, people I don't know, that sort of thing. And they would hear the pitch of my voice, which I don't think is particularly high pitched, but I guess to your average cis male that was um, coding as very, as one of two things, as very female or a 12 year old boy, and both of which they needed to dominate in that situation and mock. And so it was either, 12-year-old boy, get off here, you don't belong here with the men. Or it was, you're a woman, why don't, you're a mom, why don't you go to work? Like, get off here and stop playing with the boys and the men that we think we are, and let me, you know, put you in your place. So that's, that's my uh, experience with that. Yeah, I very intentionally never really got into like the online MMOs and gaming like that because I saw too much of it with, not so much with my sister because she got into like Final Fantasy XIV and she's in it with a group of friends who, you know, several of them are women and they don't pull that kind of garbage. But for example, my best friend's little sister literally created an entire 
male persona, never turned on her mic. You know, she had a whole life for this guy that she was like, yep, like, here's where he goes to college. He plays soccer, like all this stuff. That way she would avoid getting harassed by other people. And that to me just, it's obviously, it's soul crushing. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, And like Alicia, I mean, I, I separated myself off from that entire category of gaming because everyone that I knew was having those experiences. Um, and for me, <laughs> right, the, this amount of time that I have to spend gaming, I want to keep safe. I want to keep for me. Um, I do think in something like World of Warcraft, where you could play with a guild of sort of known folks who you could count on being um, sort of normal and accepting and sort of fun adventure buddies. Uh, that may have been an exception. Um, unfortunately, that's when I was in college, so I was a little too busy um, to really play. But, you know, even that sort of went away where you would just be dumped into raiding parties and you would be sort of thrown into the mix where um, horrible game ruinous experience, ruinous uh, world jading things we know happen to women. Um, all of the time, right? The sort of insistence that it is a bro monoculture and is going to stay that way um, is something that, you know, we run into in daily life, I'm sure, right? And it's something that I wanted to keep out of my fantasy as much as possible. Um, That also led to me not playing other games though. Like I did not play Assassin's Creed until just now over COVID because of the marketing. Um, I had assumed wrongly that it was some sort of like dumb, broed out, uh, like sort of shooter, stupid, like very teen, just a game that was not for me, um, that would have been very, uh, I don't know, exclusionary in experience. And that was not the case, right? So yeah, I, I have missed out on a lot of things by trying to sort of keep my sphere where it is. And I'll just say from a male perspective, that idea of, um, of being safe with the games I play is not something I ever really encounter. Like there are certainly toxic environments, right? Um, where playing online, I'll just be like, I, I don't want to play this online anymore. These people are way too serious about this. But that idea of that I'm going to be harassed, that it's going to be somehow less safe for me to be playing a, a particular game or genre is, is not something I deal with. And, you know, certainly I understand that's a privilege, but it's also a really screwed up privilege, right? Um, it's not a situation the way things should be working. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, and Cassandra, I think you already kind of touched on this a little bit with uh, the fact that you kind of um, fell away after the Nintendo 64, but a, a lot of little girls start out playing video games. Um, you know, my sister certainly played video games with me when I was young. She's a couple years older than me. Um, but then at some point, maybe middle school, high school, or at least from my uh, my generation, it felt like a lot of a lot of girls fell away from playing video games. Um, and that seems to be Cassandra's experience and eventually coming back to it. Um, did the rest of you have that experience or did anyone in our audience have that experience where 
you played video games as a young girl and then kind of fell away because you kind of felt unwelcomed in it. I definitely did. So like I said, part, part of why I fell away was money and like starting to have to buy systems myself. But I think another big part of it was like, I would try to talk to my friends about, oh, like, we're playing, you know, like Kingdom Hearts was a big one for me growing up. And like, we would be, my sister and I, like I said, played all these games together. But I would go back to like school or my friends and be like, oh yeah, or like we played about, I think part of it was I had way more girlfriends than guy friends. <laughs> and so I think there was this sense of like, well, shoot, if I'm going to be the only one, like, why do I keep playing then? Like, I still played Pokemon games because everyone still had the nostalgia factor for that. But really trying to get into anything new, I felt like a lot of my friends were really not vibing with that. And so I definitely felt the pressure to kind of step away and also. I can't tell if she's frozen or back. I was going to comment, but I wanted to wait. She seems to be cutting out. So if you want to go ahead, Jody. Okay. Um, and I don't want to keep mispronouncing your name. Is it Cassandra or Cassandra? <laughs> Cassandra. Cassandra. Okay. That's what I uh, gravitate toward when I wanted to be sure. Um, yeah. Much like Cassandra, um, I think I had always coded. I mean, I definitely was much more of a tomboy growing up as, as we would have called it at that time. And I think I definitely code as this like nerdy male personality that you know, definitely I played with my Barbies and things like that growing up, but I also, you know, played in the dirt and loved this sort of thing. And like I said, I played so early and so young with my brother that it's been seasonal for me. So it's much like what Alicia said, where it's been money at times. Um, I got back into, um, and what I'm cur I currently play is PS4 because I was in a VR and um, like a, a digital media kind of course a couple years ago and right as COVID was hitting actually. So it was perfect that we were in this VR virtual experience um, and we worked within dreams. So that'll kind of come into, you know, more of what I've done currently is that in dreams, you create your own video games and that can look like a story that you've created. Um, it's a PlayStation. Um, I think it came out on PlayStation four, but you can play, that, play it on PlayStation five and it literally teaches you all of the mechanics, but what you build can be any number of things. So, um, I come back to that um, kind of, I I do like cooking games and I do like simulation games, but I also like, you know, I, I've been playing Green Hell and it's been driving me insane because <laughs> it's just an infuriating um, end game. Um, so, you know, yeah, I'm going to fight, you know, leopards and things in the jungle and, and whatever happens to come at me. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of that, um, that I've fallen away from it and come back to it essentially. Great. Um, one of the things that you all have talked about was the moment when you first got the chance to create an avatar, to create a character in game that reflected you better. And instead of it having to be generic uh, white hero guy, which is, you know, certainly what a lot of video games have been outside of Pac-Man in the early days. Um, and um you know, I guess even Pac-Man's a man, right? Like we get Miss Pac-Man for the sequel. So we do get a woman. Um, but are there other things that video game developers could be doing to make video games more um, 
more welcoming or more engaging towards women. Um, you know, I think sometimes the, what, what I feel like is the, um, the, the uh, sort of cynical response to that is, well, we'll let them play as a female character and that's enough. And, um, but I don't feel like that is, I don't, and listening to you all, I, I think that there's something more maybe um, that games should be doing with even the design of them. Coming from the background of history, um, I find it, it shocking that I, it, it was during my lifetime that women historians became um, an accepted, accepted historian um, and, and started to get validation. And I kind of, as I've been taking that journey through history, I'm also seeing that so, and I, I don't want to generalize by any means, but women tend to care more about things like cultural histories and things like that. So I think this more development of things that, yes, have a story that isn't a fairy tale, that isn't, you know, that, that imagines things like if you are familiar with um, the play, She Kills Monsters. Um, she kind of lives through and, and grieves her sister, the main character does, through um, her sister's D&D book and finds a D&D &D, you know, master and you know, all of these things and processes through that. And I think there's a lot of, a broad range of things that would bring a lot more women into it. But I think so much of those, those cultural kinds of stories and, and things like that that could really be developed a lot more than they are. You know, thinking about Jody as a as a historian too, I think is really interesting because one of the things happening in fantasy storytelling um, in fiction that I find really compelling, even when it doesn't necessarily always work, is a move towards this idea that if we're world building, right? If we're constructing new worlds, new realities, new cultures. Um, there is no real need to replicate the patterns and the systems that we have in real life, right? So there are some science fiction fantasy authors out there who are trying to imagine um, other ways of development, right? Like that would be outside of the patriarchy, right? And I think that would be so cool to see more of that um, in video games, right? Or even just to see this idea that, okay, you can move through the world as a woman, but maybe it's going to be different in some sort of significant way that you might want for the reality of the experience or that you might not want, right? <laughs> to say, I have to do that in real life. I would, I would rather play um, as some other identity. Um, but I, I think there's a lot more to play around with in world building than we're seeing. And I hope as, as games grow in scope, as things can get more narrative, as the lore gets richer and richer and richer, um, that that's something that might happen in the future because of all the possibilities it could open up. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to be in a class with Peony Benedict, who is, is this forward-thinking VR um, published author, and at the same time be studying history and knowing that, that, that history as a discipline is trying to move forward digital histories, and then a, a video game class at the same time. It's been, you know, and, and a reenacting game, uh, a reacting to the past game that I am a TA for, and all of those, like, 
hit all of those same places in me that is that nerdy gamer. Um, and and that this world opens up like, hey, I can create a history game if I want to. And I think people are going to be there for it. Cassandra, I think one of the really interesting things you mentioned was the idea that switching of genders within the game would have something more significant than just being a reskinning of the character. Um, you know, there's um, a famous example of a developer who claimed that they could not add female skins to the game. That was just too much work. And everybody was like, what are you talking about? You're just reskinning. You're just putting, you know, uh, something that looks like a woman over it. You're not changing the game fundamentally. But I think that's a, a real interesting proposal, right? That like changing gender would fundamentally change perhaps how you interact with the game world, or maybe not, maybe it doesn't change it at all. Maybe that's the option there, right? Um, but maybe having more choices to how you approach those games. Uh, I noticed that in the chat, some of the people were commenting about uh, having armor that actually looks like real armor instead of looking like a bikini armor. Um, there's a really great clip from one of uh, Activision Blizzard's BlizzCons of a female player standing up and asking the question, could the female players in game not always have to dress like Victoria's Secret models? Um, and it's a good question. What's disturbing is the developers of the game laugh at her in response to it, um, which was an early indication of the problems going on at Activision Blizzard. Um, and one of the games that people have been suggesting is the Horizon uh, Zero Dawn and Forbidden West games as uh, games that they find very uh, appealing to them. So I guess the next question is, uh, and then we'll kind of open it up to anyone else. I know we're kind of getting a little low on time here. Um, but what can people do to be better allies and advocates for women in gaming? And, you know, obviously that applies to men, but it also applies to other women. Um, what can people be doing to make women feel more accepted, more welcome, more comfortable within the gaming sphere? Um, I think honestly for this one, like just not being jerks, you know, and like you said, this goes to both guys and girls. Cause again, when I was growing up and I was really invested in certain games, my girlfriends were kind of jerks about it too. And so I think just in general, if. I think Alicia cut out again. No, no. Shire reception is not good today. Shire reception is not good today. <laughs> you get all the beauty, but you get none of the no high internet. speed internet, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, no, but like I was saying, like just, you know, my, my girlfriends were kind of jerks about it too at times. So I know we talk a lot about the toxic gamer bros. And I, I don't know that necessarily, I never had experience with like toxic gamer girls, but I definitely had experiences where girls and non-binary pals would be like, why are you into this? Why is this a thing? <laughs> So I think just in general, like being supportive of, hey, this is something you're interested in. Cool. Like, let's find, because there are a million and a half games out there, at least. You know, it's like how anybody can find a book that they're interested in, whether they're reading it or listening to an audiobook or whatever. 
there's always something out there for for somebody. So I think just that general supportive attitude is something that we need. Everything that Alicia said, most certainly on a personal level, I think beyond that, you know, whether you're in business or you we're all, I think, scholars here, um, open a discourse on it. You know, if, if you're in business school, like talk about those kind of marketing plans. And if it's, you know, it, it's something that you can discuss in a thesis or you can interview people and just get books and things written about this, start a podcast about it. You know, it's, it, it, it's like putting ourselves out there more, like let's take our agency, but let's um, encourage others to, you know, that are, that are our allies to do things like today. I, this is a fascinating panel to be um, a part of. So thank you again to everybody involved in that. Yeah, I think like everybody's saying, I mean, <laughs> the ideal world would be where we stop sort of having Venn diagrams of what a gamer is or what a gamer looks like um, and just sort of have a circle, right? That the, these are, this is a, a human way of experiencing and interacting with story, right? And uh, marketing, right, obviously is a, a huge reason why some of those Venn diagrams persist, but it would be great to get away from that model. I wanted to point out, Ashley, um, in the comments, noted that giving uh, players more romance choices in games so that it's not quite so binary in the choice. And I know um, some games have been working at that. She specifically points out Stardew Valley, which is a fantastic game and uh, incredibly cheap, like $10, $15 if you have not played it. Um, so I will uh, second that one. Um, you know, I feel like these sorts of conversations are really valuable. I really very much value the time of Alicia, Jody, and Cassandra and thank them for participating in this. Um, I will note that we have started a video games podcast here at the university called Saluki Games Cast, which um, Alicia is a regular uh, guest on that show. Um, and, and part of that has been to talk about these sorts of issues. Um, and so, you know, going forward, we hope to continue this conversation um, and make it something that is uh, ongoing. Because um, I, I, part of my reason for doing this is having friends who play video games who are women. And it, it almost always ends up into... Um, the same way I would have a conversation with my male friends talking about a video game, but at some point the women will say, yeah, but this thing really bugs me about video games. And that's a very one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I feel like having these conversations publicly and more broadly um, hopefully gets these messages out there so that more people hear them. Um, so I think we are just about out of time, but if we have any final comments, uh, anybody in the audience who would like to add anything, um, we're more than happy to have you jump in. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am a absolutely non-gamer at all. Never played a game at all. Um, but I also wonder if it is has so much to do uh, the way we uh, chastise women in uh, gaming about just the way we are being socialized, right? 
uh, because even I remember when we were getting those little Nintendo games, we would get my daughter the the little cooking things, and then my son will get something else more oriented for for boys. And but then my daughter just completely uh, stopped playing, and my son keeps playing, and he he plays all kinds of things, um, and he's very good at it. But it is still for me, uh, and 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 that's a that's a, a uh, um, sort of like a um, critique that I now uh, by learning here and, and listening to all of you about also my um, attitude towards that because for me it's just like okay well what is what else is he doing right so uh, he's in his bedroom and we're stomping on the uh, top floors for him to come for dinner and then he doesn't answer and we go downstairs and he's with his stuff and then playing and he's like okay so what are what are priorities right um then he'll finish and then come back and say sorry i was at this and i was just reading something about being on uh, you cannot stop a game at a certain point right and so from from now on i'm going to be a little bit more understanding but also i think that it's amazing to to hear all of you with uh such passion and in 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 an effort to really bring attention to what it is not being um well what is being chastised but also not giving the opportunity uh to women in playing and in, in being criticized or or just portrayed in a specific way according to male vision and male's perspective so thank you so much because i, I really learned a lot and i i was just looking at the comments and it's like oh my gosh i have no clue of any of that and i just i just appreciate so much uh what i've learned from you thank you any other questions or comments ashley do you have a comment or are you just celebrating honestly i'm just happy that this panel existed um I, I'm pleasantly surprised to see familiar names in the chat that I, I would never have, have known were gamer women without having this panel. And I'm, I'm happy to see the conversations and the comments that are happening because this is a huge topic that hasn't really been very publicly addressed other than looking at what's going on in Blizzard and Activision and, and all of the you know, the abuse and the harassment, we haven't talked about how to really bring gamer women into the gamer community without having to have a, a second part to that title. I mean, and I guess I can throw my video on for a second. Hi. Um, I mean, I'm a very elder millennial, sort of that Oregon Trail generation. And I've been, I've been gaming since before I could read. My older sister had an Atari. And so this has just been part of my life since I was a toddler. And I'm in my 40s now and I still play games. Like I'm gonna go home and play Elden Ring tonight and I'm super excited about it. And I wish that more women could, I guess, talk about that without feeling ostracized or judged or like they're doing something weird that adult women shouldn't do. Feel free to find me, friend me. Um, let's see roundtable discuss on a podcast. You're my tribe, people. Yeah, I almost wish we get together for coffee sometime or something. 
I would add those of you who are on campus, um, the video games class that I teach that Jody is actually a part of, uh, April 7th and 8th, we'll be doing a, an event called Playing for Pets, raising money for the local humane shelter. Um, and we'll be playing video games and live streaming that. And it is an event open to everyone on SIU's campus, faculty, students, and staff. So if you want to come hang out with people in a very non-judgmental environment and play some video games, that's a, a, a great opportunity. And you don't have to be even particularly good at video games because not all of us are very good, but it's just an opportunity to hang out and do good with video games and show kind of the variety of video games, the accessibility of those. I don't want to interrupt if anyone has more questions or comments they want to make, but we do have to start wrapping up at least a little bit. So final call for questions, comments. Okay, in that case, uh, Awesome job to all of our panelists today. You guys did great. I'm personally not a video game person. So getting to hear about all of this was super interesting. Love getting to hear about how passionate you guys all are about it. 